0: All right, so we're starting a brand new sermon series called Philippians, and it's in the New Testament. Can we say Philippians? Philippians. I know, we usually say three or four syllable words together, don't we? <laughs> a little kind of hard, but uh, um, really quick, anyone here ready for fall? Anyone here ready for fall? I got my flannel on. Anyone wearing flannel today? Not quite yet, they're like, nope, not yet. I'm a huge fan of fall, and this, as you know, this has nothing to do with the sermon at all. Um, but no, I love fall. I, uh, I, I made a really dark confession on Facebook a couple weeks ago, uh, and some of my guy friends really made fun of me, and uh, you will receive payback, my friends, um, but I have a dark confession. Uh, for those of you who'd like to bless me with coffee through the week, I love pumpkin spice lattes. I'm a huge fan of pumpkin spice lattes. Now, for you guys judging me, I'm also a huge fan of guns and killing things. So I think it evens it out a little bit. I think it does. And so, but just to put the two cents out there, um, but no, uh, today we're starting a new series called Philippians. Uh, we're going to walk through the book of, of this book, kind of verse by verse. We really, we, we don't do this a lot. We kind of do topical series, which is great. Um, but once or twice out of the year, we want to walk through the book of the Bible uh, with you. I think the next one, we're going to be going through the Old Testament, um, one of the books in there. But uh, if you want to open up your uh, Bible, so the book of Philippians is in the New Testament. Um, but the book of Philippians is written by a guy by the name of Apostle Paul. And he actually wrote it, uh, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. But he wrote this book in our Bible called the Philippians. And what it is, it's actually a letter to this church in a place called Philippi. Philippi is north of Israel across the Mediterranean Sea uh, in Europe. And this is about 52 AD, 52, 53-ish AD. And uh, he's writing this. And he's actually, he's in a unique circumstance while he's writing this letter. Uh, Paul, he had this horrible habit of getting himself in jail. This is the, if you knew Paul, you knew he was gonna be in prison sometime. It wasn't because he was a bad dude, but during this day, uh, you couldn't preach the gospel. Anything that went against the the king of Rome, Rome, their king was kind of more of a deity level thing, and whoever's king, they're pretty much God, and if you preach any other God besides the king, it's off with your head, thrown in jail. Um, More of thrown in jail than off with your head. And that's what would happen. So Paul, he's finding himself in jail, and he's writing this book, uh, writing this letter to a church in Philippi, and um, he's writing this, this letter uh, to an already established church, and I love this part because I think it lets us know. Uh, he's writing this church in Philippi. He, he planted it. He established it. But when you're in your Christian walk, you always have growing to do. And so he's telling this mature church, saying, hey, I know you guys are mature, but there's still some things that we need to work on. And church, I, I need to let you know we're a great church, but church, there's some things we need to work on, Right? There's some things that we need to constantly mature in. And so he's writing this letter to this mature church. And in this case, Paul is teaching them this lesson. It's kind of the big idea for today. Uh, It's this, the lesson of to have joy no matter what. To have joy no matter your circumstance. It's this theme of joy that we find out through this letter. And the fact, the the word joy or rejoice is, is found and mentioned 16 times in four short chapters well, the irony of this is that he's in prison writing about joy. He's in prison writing about, "Hey, you guys need to have joy no matter what." And this prison isn't like our prison system today. This is a Roman prison. These guys were hardcore. In fact, Paul, he was in maximum security because he was like supposed to, he was such a threat to the Roman kingdom, but like, "Hey, you need to go to the deepest darkest cell." So this is this is Paul's Circumstance, Paul is in this dungeon, if you will. He's below ground, there's no light. It's usually pitch black. If there was a torch lit, that would be your only source of light. On top of that, you're gonna have to deal with everyone else around you. There's probably no toilets. They had to go wherever they had to go. You have to deal with rats, with leprosy and disease. And with Paul, his circumstance is that he was chained to an actual guard. So not only is he in this horrible circumstance in a smelly prison, but now he has no light and he's physically chained to another guy because he was that much of a threat to the king of Rome. And this is Paul, he's saying, hey, guys, no matter the situation you find yourselves in, you need to have joy. You gotta find some joy. And Paul, he's in this horrible place in the prison in Rome. And this is important, church, because Paul, he had a dream. He had this dream of he was gonna preach the gospel in Rome. And if you imagine this with me, he had this idea because he was planning churches all, all across the Mediterranean Sea and his goal was to get to Rome and hopefully eventually to Spain. But now he's stuck in Rome. And he thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to preach in Rome and hundreds of people are going to get saved. And it's going to be this great time. But instead of preaching on, behind a pulpit or on a platform, he's finding himself in prison, maximum security. So instead of living out his dream in the area of Rome, he's living out a nightmare, he thought his dream would flourish. How many of you guys have been there? What you thought would be a dream and it doesn't seem much like a dream anymore. It seems more like a nightmare. This is Paul. And here he pens his first word in this letter. I'm gonna dive right into it. I wanna check this out. The very first verse, this is Paul writing to Church of Philippi in prison. He says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Now stop right there. I don't know about you, But if I was in prison for my faith and I'm waiting for the day that my head was gonna get chopped off, I'm chained to a smelly guard who hates me and I can't see anything around me. I hear the rats, I hear people screaming because they're being tortured. I'm hearing all of this stuff around me. My first words in my letter to you, Rock Church, would not be, hey, I give thanks to God. My first words would be like, are you guys planning on breaking me out anytime? Like, are you guys getting the great minds together and gonna cause a revolt so I can get out of this horrible place? Are you getting the SEAL team ready? Did you tell the president to come and rescue me? But Paul, he doesn't say anything like that. He says, you know what? Every time I think of you, great church, man, my, my heart gets warm. I thank God of you. And so I think the first question we have to ask ourselves, church, is this. If you were in Paul's position, in his situation, in this circumstance, would you have written that? Because this is where the attitude of joy starts. If you were in Paul's position, how would you have you started your letter to the church? I think we ask ourselves this question is because of this church. A mark of a mature Christian, you should write this down, a mark of a mature Christian is how you handle your bad days. A mark of a mature Christian is how you handle your bad days. Paul, I don't think we can argue that he's an immature Christian. He's super mature. I mean, look at his circumstance, look how he's handling it. But look at our circumstance, how are you handling it? A mark of a mature Christian is how you handle your bad days. And this is why, because it's human nature, church, to gripe. It is human nature, it is natural for you to be bitter. It is natural for you to sit there and complain and have a pity party. It is natural for you to start hating the things around. It is natural, but it is not natural. I say it's more supernatural to find joy in a bad day. Mark of a mature Christian is how you handle bad days. But Paul keeps writing verse four. He says this, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, underline that, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time from you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Let me tell you the audacity that Paul is writing with right now. He's telling the church, he says, hey guys, remember the dreams and visions that God gave you about your church in Philippi? Don't lose those because those are gonna happen because God who command a good work in you, he's gonna see it until it comes to the end. So don't lose hope, don't lose faith because it's going to happen. And this is Paul whose dream was to preach in Rome. He's writing this from a prison where his dreams never came true. Church, how do you find joy when your dreams don't come true? For some reason, Paul has this attitude that is so rare that no matter what is happening, he's okay. Paul is fine. He he, he wasn't like he had this happiness, but he had this joy that came from deep inside. And it's this thing, church, that when it comes to our bad days, there's a difference between finding happiness and finding joy. And I know this isn't in your notes, but I wanna give you three really quick contrasts between happiness and joy. So you can write these down on the side. But this is the difference between happiness and joy. And we need to know these things in order to differentiate of, am I searching? Am I running after happiness? Or am I searching and am I running after this thing called joy? Number one is this, happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is external, joy is internal. Happiness comes from the outside, meaning the things around me are going good that I'm gonna be happy. When things around me are going bad, I'm not gonna be happy. If the sky is blue, I'm singing. If it's raining outside, I'm depressed. And for those of us who live in Nebraska, we know how that works, right? But happiness is external. But joy, it's much different. Joy is eternal because joy is not based on the conditions around us. You have joy in the worst of days. You can look more in that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 if you want to do some more further reading on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But happiness is external, joy is internal. Number two, happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. The word happiness here in Latin, the word hap, H-A-P-P, which is Latin, it literally means circumstance or luck. That for you to be happy, it's really based on your circumstances or it's just sheer luck. Happiness is based on that. And to add this, circumstance literally translates into circle that you choose to stand in. Let me put it this way. Happiness determines the circle you stand in. And sometimes your circumstance, the circle you stand in, is not going to bring you happiness because I don't know about you, but I have bad days in my life, but this also means because we get to choose our circumstance, we get to choose the circle we stand in, we can choose to step out of that circumstance and into a new circle called joy. Because happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. Well, Vaughan, you don't know my circumstances. You, do, you have no right to be talking about me, about my issues. You have no idea what's going on inside of my life, But and I will agree with you. I have no right to be talking to that. But let me argue this. I think Paul does. Paul lived a good life, working for the government, killing Christians. That was a good job back in the day with Rome. But then he got saved and ever since that day, his life has been mess after mess after mess after mess. If there was a guy you didn't wanna be around just in case his bad juju was gonna rub off on you, it would have been Paul. It would have been that guy. Let me tell you why. This is Paul. Paul, out of everyone here, knows not only what a bad day looks like, but he knows to live a life where it just seemed like one massive bad day. This is Paul, he lists them out. He says this in verse 24 in a different book of the Bible. It says this, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. You know the 39 lashes that Jesus received that almost killed him? Paul received those five times, five times. And so he's in jail just recovering from the last lashing. Three times I was beaten with rods, the flexible rods that kind of hit back of your hamstrings to make you kind of crippled and a bruised and a hurt a lot. He says, three times I was beaten with rock. Once I was stoned, not what you do in Colorado, but like the the, the rocks, they throw at you. Some of you guys are thinking, well, at least he got some type of relief. Not that, no, he just, they took big rocks and they threw it at him hoping that he would die. He says, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, his ship wrecked. And so he was floating like a cork in the middle of the sea waiting to be rescued, wondering if a shark was gonna take his legs out, just floating there for a whole 24 hours. He said, "I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I faced dangers in cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I faced danger for, from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard, long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. And on top of all this, he doesn't even list this out. If I was Paul, I'd make sure everyone knew this." There was a time that he was shipwrecked. He crawled back onto this little deserted island. He was really cold. He got this fire together. And as he was getting the fire going, a stink bit out and jumped and bit him. Just like, like you talk about having a bad day. Paul, his whole life seemed like one massive bad day. So I think Paul can tell us that no matter your circumstance, you can have joy. If there was a guy that had any authority here to tell us that, it would be Paul. Hey, guys, I know what a bad day looks like, but trust me, if I can find joy in my bad day, so can you. So here's the third contrast. Happiness happens by chance. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. Simply put, happiness happens by luck. If the cards are played right, if the stars align, or however you want to put it, meaning that happiness is not up to you You cannot control happiness because you cannot control your circumstances. Circumstances just happen. And if they're good circumstances, then you can find happiness. But what if your circumstances are bad? There's no happiness in there. Joy is a choice, meaning that no matter your circumstance, the circle you find yourself standing in, the choice of joy is always there because it is not based on you, it is based on you. Joy no matter what. So here's the big question I want us to ask and we're gonna walk through is this. How do you have joy no matter what? How do you have joy no matter what? These are three things that we find in Philippians chapter one. Number one is this, stop asking why. Stop asking why. The first thing that I do when I have a bad day I run to God, and I ask why. I demand to know a reason. Anyone here like that? Like, like God, why did this happen to me? Like, like, why am I late to work? Why did the, well, we live here, and so you don't, in Scotts Bluff, you were always stopped by trains, and so I would always show up late to work, and my boss would get mad, and I said, God, why did you put so many trains across me today? Let's get a little bit deeper here today, church. God, why did you take my spouse early? God, why did I have a miscarriage? God, why did my loved one die? God, why did I get laid off? God, why is this happening? Why, God, are you letting this happen? Why, why, why? And the reason we need to stop asking why, church, is because we can die on this earth without knowing why. You can die in this life on your why. Paul in his jail cell, prison to a guard, has all the right to be asking why, but he doesn't. But he actually does something that I think is truly radical in human behavior. And I want you to see this, search. instead of asking why and focusing on his circumstances, he instead looks at his circumstances and sees how he can use it for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, this is so hard because from my own experience, my wife and I, uh, I think it's about two years ago, we had a miscarriage. And we knew this concept well before this tragedy hit our family. And we felt a little bit guilty in our human flesh for not being angry at God and demanding why. Because the world tells you you're entitled to your why. You're entitled to know why this happened. You're entitled to that. But let me tell you, when it comes to God, you're not entitled to. God, he's far above any way we think or understand, so we're never actually going to know why but you can do what Paul says, you know how can we use this to help the kingdom of God and that's what we did and many of you, you you've kind of walked through a similar tragedy or something like that, you've done the very same thing and you can stand here with me and saying, you know what, when I started learning to stop asking why and started saying God, how can I use this for your kingdom, you start to see that you actually began to be more good for God's use than you were before And it's such a hard thing to to, to understand this. Paul, instead of asking why and focusing on his circumstances, he said, looks at his circumstances and see how he can use it for the kingdom of God. Philippians 1.12, this is what Paul does, check this out. He says this, he says, and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters, even though I'm in prison, even all this stuff has happened, that everything that has happened to me here has actually helped to spread the good news. Like despite my circumstances, This has actually helped me out. He's saying, hey, church in Philippi, or or, hey, Rock Church, I know you heard all the bad things that have happened to me, but it actually has helped me spread the gospel. All the shipwrecks, all being whipped, almost drowning, being mistreated and betrayed, now currently in maximum security, waiting for my day to die. All of this has helped me to spread the good news of Jesus. So find joy. You see, church, if we focus on our why of our bad days, you will never see what God has for you in those times. If you always focus on the bad days, the why of your bad days, you'll never see what God is trying to teach you in those moments. And if you wanna sit there and really try to figure out why, you're gonna find out that there's not a whole lot of answers to your why in your circumstances if you're sitting here really wanting to know why, I've got the answer for you. Because we live in a fallen world. If it comes right down to the bottom of it, everything that bad happens to you is because we live in a fallen world. Well, that doesn't help. I know it doesn't. It's not, it doesn't seem like a good answer, but it's the truth. Because we live in a fallen world. And that's why, that's why God, he's, God never promised us, he says, hey, hey guys, if you come to me, you're gonna have a perfect life, so don't worry about that stuff. In fact, God does the opposite. He says, you know what, you better expect trouble. You better expect bad days. In fact, John 16, he says this. He says, I have told you this so that you may have peace, not in yourself, not in knowing why, but in me. Here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows. I haven't seen anyone Instagram that or Facebook that and hang down the fridge and say, "Woo, I'm good to go. But this is the truth. God says on this earth, you're gonna have bad days, but take heart, church. Take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, God never promised us that we wouldn't have trouble, but he promised us that we could rise over our troubles. That's a really good spot for an amen. I'll miss it. But you need, God didn't promise you a perfect day, but he promised you that you can overlook your bad days. That's how good our God is. So we need to stop asking why. So what do we need to start asking? Number two, start asking what? Start asking what? God, here are our circumstances. This is my situation. What do you want me to get out of this? What do you want me to do? What would you have me to see all of this? Going back to the the horrible moment two years ago and my wife and I relationship, uh, we we walked through this miscarriage. The very first thing that we did, she came in and broke the news. And by the way, when you're really in tune with God, God kind of already prepares you. I can tell you that morning of Jill knew something was wrong and while she was there I knew something was wrong and we were both praying separately for God to have his way when we came I knew exactly what she was going to say the first thing that we did is we got together we cried, we prayed and we asked this question, God what do you want us to do with this? we didn't demand our why because we would never really know the why and we know most likely we probably wouldn't get an answer. But we knew there was a what that God wanted us to learn. God, what do you want me to do? And the reason we ask what and not why is because in every circumstance, please write this down, put this on your phone, put it in the mirror, whatever you need to do, because in every bad circumstance, God is up to something good. Every bad circumstance, every bad day, God is up to something Something good. You need to know that. You need to be encouraged by that. You need to really memorize that because let me tell you, the enemy will tell you on those bad days saying, look at your God, he forgot you. Your God is sleeping on the job. Your God does not care about you. Your God does not love you. All the while, God quietly behind the scenes is working up to something good for your benefit. That is how good our God is. Paul was in prison. But because he was in prison, he was able to write this letter. Have you ever thought about that? The reason we have majority of the New Testament is because Paul had one massive bad day. The only reason we can read this and be encouraged is because Paul was thrown in prison and was being tortured and waiting for his execution. Only reason we have the book of Philippians is because of Paul's bad. Day. God is always up to something. And you talk about Paul whose plans did not go accordingly The reason we can read this and be encouraged because again, Paul was stuck in jail. You talk about using your bad day and turning it into a productive good. Not just sitting in your pity party. And trust me, I'm human just like you because I wanna sit in my pity party. You ask my wife, I can pout like no man has ever pouted before. But when I do that, my spirit says, what on earth are you doing? Man up, pull up your pants, get going because God is up to something good. He does not want you to miss it. If you are so clouded by your pity party, you're gonna miss the good that God is trying to show you. Church, I I really hope, are are you getting something out of this today? Because bad days are coming. Vaughn, be more positive. I am positive bad days are coming your way. And the trick is not how to avoid the bad days, but how you handle your bad days. That's the mark of a mature Christian. How did Paul turn his bad day into a good op- God opportunity? Look at what he says, Philippians 1:13 through 14. He says this, remember he's in prison, he's saying it's actually helped me share the gospel. He says, everyone here, including the whole place, the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul says, hey, since I can't preach outside, I'm just gonna preach the garden I'm chained to. It's not like he can go anywhere. So I'm just gonna preach his, his ear off. And guess what? I'm stuck with a bunch of other prisoners that might not know Jesus, so I'm gonna preach to them. And I'm gonna preach to everyone that comes across to you. I bet you Paul even preached to the rats that were trying to all run around around him. Because that is how Paul looks at joy. He says it's actually worked. And he almost has this idea, church, He has this idea of saying like, guys, it's like I'm getting more done for God's kingdom here in this prison than I would be outside. It's like he's, you can sense a little bit of excitement in his voice. It's almost like, thank God for you putting me in prison right now. Because this is where I need to be. Oh man, how many of you guys have thanked God for your bad days? Yeah, I didn't think so. But I think sometimes, in the bad days is where God does His best work. I think in those horrible situations, God does His best work in you. You talk about a good attitude, taking a bad circumstance and choosing to make good out of it. There's a funny story about an African king and his servant, and the this, this, this servant had this issue of no matter what would happen, he would say, "This is good. Like this is good. This is always good. This is good." Have you guys met people like that? Like this is good. We can find good in this. There's always something good. And so this servant uh, and this king, they went out hunting, and uh, uh, they, they go out there, and, and he says, hey, you, you want to go hunting with me? And the servant says, yeah, this is awesome. This is good. Let's go. And so they go out hunting, and the servant spots a water buffalo. He says, hey, there, there's a water buffalo. This is good. This is really good. Let's get it set up. And uh, he gets them to go, and he gets the king's rifle loaded and hands it to the king, and the king cocks it back and shoots it. And just as he shoots it blows off his thumb. And the king's sitting there with a bloody stump of a hand right there and saying, oh, what do I do, what do I do? And the servant responds, this is good, this is good. We can find good in this. There's some good in this. He says, how is this good? Like, I'm missing a thumb, you did this. And so he threw his servant in jail. And so a year has passed and the, uh, the king, he healed up a little bit and he went out and went out hunting again, but he got captured by cannibals this time. And the cannibals, they tied him up, put him on a spit and they're about to eat him, but they noticed that he was missing a thumb. And they're a little superstitious because he's not whole and they only eat whole things. And so they know that they're going to release him. King, now feeling a little bit guilty, goes back to the servant and he says, oh man, like I am so sorry. You're in prison all this time and, and, and this is what happened with the cannibals. And the servant says, no, don't worry. This is really good. This is good. And he's like, why is, how can you find, why is this good? And he says, because if you didn't throw me in prison, I would have been there with you with those cannibals. You see, you can find good in every situation, church. Every situation. I know that's a super cheesy joke, but there's a very heavy truth in there. You are able to find joy on your bad days. You are able to find joy on your bad days. Church, there is something good in everything. And a mature disciple of Jesus will go out and intentionally find the good in the bad circumstance. And we do this because of what the Bible says in Romans eight twenty-eight. it says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together. For what? For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Are you called by God? Yeah. You have nothing to worry about. Like really, you have nothing to worry about. I don't know what you're going through, but you have nothing to worry about. Because God will work all things for your good. He will, that's a promise you can hold on to so we stop asking why, and we start asking what, then number three, I say, was the hardest part in this whole process of finding joy. Ref- uh, refocus on what really matters. Refocus on what really matters. We stop asking why, we ask what, and then we do this third step, and I, again, I say, it's the hardest part. You have to refocus on what really matters because when you compare it to eternity, only a few things really matter. When you compare it to eternity, only a few things really, you talk with anyone that has a few months to live before going to eternity, they will tell you what really matters in this life. And let me tell you, the messy closet that they were so worried about doesn't matter anymore. That little spout that they had with someone doesn't even really matter anymore. They can tell you exactly what matters. That's why you need to know, compared to eternity, a lot of issues that we make our really bad days out of don't really matter. They don't. Check this out, church. The next part is Paul. He's addressing an issue that's happening in the church plant. In Philippi, there, there's preachers who are preaching against Paul. And uh, they're, they're preaching this gospel as if they're kind of rival pastors. And and, and the really, they're saying that since Paul was in prison, they're going to try to destroy Paul's church. And as a pastor, as if you're a leader of an organization or a pastor, that just kind of, it can make your blood boil. I, I hate it when people talk bad about our church. I hate it, but it happens. And so they're, they're writing this letter to Paul and Paul is talking back to them. He says this in Philippians 1:15 through 18. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make chains more painful to me. He's saying, do you know what? Yes, they're horrible dudes. And yes, what they're doing is wrong. But what he says next, verse 18, he says, But that doesn't matter. That does not matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I find. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. Paul is saying here, Who cares? Who cares? There's a bad rumor spread about you, who cares? But they think about, I, I, who cares? But, but, but what about the market, what about, who, who cares? But what about the political climate? It, it doesn't matter. And trust me, I have an opinion just like you do. I have a lot of opinions and a lot of things that I, I'm waiting to get to heaven and stand in line with the Q&A session with God and saying, God, here's my question number one. I'm gonna ask you this, but in this earth right now, it does not matter. My opinion does not matter. Who cares? What matters is so long as the gospel. Is being preached. And this is huge. because Paul is saying, you know, it doesn't really matter. And when you stop asking why, start asking what and refocus on what really matters, that is the, sta- that is the start of receiving ultimate joy. You see, the bad days, they plagued Paul. This happened all the time. They would lock up Paul, and he would write a book of the Bible and preach Jesus on the inside. Then they would release Paul, and he'd go out there and preach Jesus some more. And they say, "You know what, Paul? We told you again." And you throw back in the prison instead of whining. Paul says, "You know what? I'm just going to write another book of the Bible and preach inside." I was I almost won that jailer to Christ, so I'm gonna go back there again. And I'll finally get him this time. And he says, "You know what, Paul? You're good. You're gonna go out there." And the even got to the point. He says, "Paul, if you preach Christ, you're going to die." Like Paul, if you keep preaching the gospel, we're going to kill you, we're tired of it. And Paul, Paul, again, he comes back, you can kind of read this even sarcastically if you want to. Philippians 124 shows Paul's whole thought on this whole thing, he says, well, do you know what? For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better, you know why? Because if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Jesus. So I don't really don't know what is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. He's saying, you know, it it doesn't matter what you try to do to me, I'll find joy because if you keep me alive, I wanna preach the good news. If you kill me, I get to be with Jesus. How do you look at your bad days? How do you look at your bad days, church? That is the thing about having joy no matter what, church. Because when you have joy in Jesus, you're always in a win-win situation. You're always in a win-win situation. When you know Christ, you are in a win-win situation. I don't care how bad your day gets, you will come out victorious. But it might kill, even in death, Paul says, you still win. I have met so many people, especially cancer patients who know Jesus. And I've met a few of them that they they, they would beat cancer. And they'd come out healed and they would be victorious and we'd, we, we'd talk about a miracle. Then two years later, cancer comes back and it kills them. And let me tell you that can, those cancer patients that we've met, they still claim that as a victory. Now they're with Jesus. I know that seems dark and I know it seems radical because it really is, but this is the mind thought we have to have church, because you're gonna have bad days and it's not about how do you avoid bad days, it's how you as a mature Christian, how do you handle your bad days? Because second Timothy 4.18 gives us this promise says, yes, and the Lord, he's gonna deliver you from every evil attack and he will bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's a promise, but let me tell you, God's rescue mission might look a little different than what you dreamed of. Paul, his dream was preaching to Rome and people getting saved left and right. Let me tell you, that happened. But Paul thought it was gonna be on a platform, but it was in a prison. And let me tell you, because of what he did in that jail cell, now Christianity is found from Rome to of Paul persevering and finding joy in that jail cell. I wonder how the world would be today if Paul decided to sit in his pity party. The reason we have the gospel here, church, is because when you go to Israel with us, if you go to Caesarea Maritima, that is the point where Paul gets shipped off to jail, to Rome. They take him from Jerusalem to Rome. And they thought, oh, we're gonna put a handle on him. But God says, you know what? They don't know that I'm actually bringing you To the new world over here, so you can start preaching, so the gospel can get all around the world. All because Paul saw God's opportunity in a bad day. Church, let me leave you with this. Do you look for God's opportunity in your bad days? Do you look for God's opportunity in your bad days? Even in your worst days, God up but this is the book of Philippians. That's just chapter one. We're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks about this whole concept of joy no matter what. How do you find joy in a bad day? How do you find joy in a situation like this? After this series, we're gonna go through another series called It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. You guys know that song? So that's really how we need to go through this world. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. God's already over. We're gonna be okay. Amen. All right, you bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm gonna pray for us. We've been talking about this joy, no matter what. It's interesting because God always kind of works on my heart as I preach these. In fact, in this whole message, I've been battling this. uh, This, uh, it's a headache right now. Not migraine, um, but I, I have chronic headache. And even up here, it'd be so easy just to go through this and just say, you know, I've got a headache. I can't give my best. God, I'm sorry, but you have to find joy even in the worst of times. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to find joy. And as we're talking about this joy, there is the promise in there that says, God will work everything for your good, those who are called to him. Maybe when we read that you realized I'm I don't call Jesus my Savior. Maybe you're a little scared right now because in that case you're not in a win-win situation. That is a scary place. I've been there. I made the decision my sophomore year in high school at a church camp, saying, you know what, I'm tired. Of losing in my bad days, I want to win, and the only way to do that is through Christ. So I made that decision, I can tell you, ever since I had bad days, but I got through them, and I was better because of them. If you're sitting here this morning saying, You know what? I need that in my life, I, I need Jesus to come into my life, I need to live for Jesus. I just want to lead you through a prayer if that is you. I, no one's looking. Can you just slip your hand I just want to know if I'm praying for you. you know, I, know I need Jesus this morning. I need to know him. No one here? That, that is me. Even if you didn't raise your hand, it's simply saying, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me clean? God, forgive me of my Lord, starting today, I'm not running after my own joy, but I'm gonna run after your joy. In fact, my joy is happiness. But Lord, I'm running after you. Starting today, follow your Here's my second call. I don't know what season you're in. I said that during worship. I don't know what your bad day is right now. But I wanna let you know we follow the name of Jesus Christ, his name is above any name. God is our ultimate restorer, ultimate redeemer, ultimate healer. So no matter what you're going through, you need to know Jesus is much bigger than that. If you're having a bad day, you don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. This can look like a lot, it could look like a divorce, a rocky marriage, fighting with your kids, anger issues, suicide, any of those things. If you're wrestling with that right now, I'm not gonna call you up and I want to pray for you. I've been there, I've been in those dark days. You don't see the light. If that is you, we you just slip your hand up saying to one, I'm in a bad day right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up, hands up. Father, I pray for each person to have their hands raised. Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but God, you do. Lord, I pray that we would hold on the promise that you have already overcame this world. So Lord, if it's a rocky marriage, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you have your way? If it's a, if it's a physical disability, Lord, God, I pray that they would see healing in that. Lord, if, if, if it's depression and suicide, God, I pray that they would find your supernatural hope. God, I know this day, that this world is full of bad days and it can be very easily to get lost in the darkness. Lord, even myself, I've had struggles with anxiety just every now and then. And Lord, even those days, it could just be like, oh, God, I can't breathe and I can't I can't see and my emotions are all in a stir. But Lord, when I come to you, I've taken a breath of fresh air. God, I pray that when they open your word, that your word would come alive. Lord, that they would run to prayer you. And Lord, not only that, but God, you have given us counselors. You've given us great things in this world to help us out. Lord, I pray that you give us those resources. Even myself, I've been through lots of counseling and it's helped out tremendously. God, I thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that we would find joy no matter what in every circumstance, good and bad. In your mighty name, amen.